to you and I appreciate you giving us the opportunity to do this uh, the for, for the first time on our show here. You have a brand new project you're here to announce. Tell folks what it is. Uh, if you look at it, about 44% of the American public self-identifies as centrist. Mm. And what they see in Washington these days is a government that's consumed by the extremes. And it doesn't, you know, the issues don't seem to resonate with people here and the tone doesn't resonate with people here. So I reached out to an old friend, Jeff Mayers, who works at West Politics, and said, Jeff, we should really do a podcast on America's lost political middle, who we call America's political orphans. And that's where we are. We're about to launch a 14-episode series that looks at all sort of facets of how we got here and, God willing, how we get out of the mess we're in today. What's happened is there's a hollow out on the middle on both sides. And so you've seen, for example, the disappearance of moderate Republicans in New England, a lot in the Midwest, and actually in Southern California, which was another base. And similarly, if you look at conservative and moderate Democrats, they've largely disappeared in the South. And even in some of the, the Midwest where they've managed to hang on, they mostly got wiped out in the Trump election in 16. So if you go back and look just on the Democratic side, there were 52 blue dogs in 2010. There's now nine. And of the nine who are left, they split into two groups because one didn't want to be the blue dogs anymore because it sounded like old Southern guys. And the other people didn't want to be whatever the hell the other name was they came up with. So when you only got nine people that's left in the Democratic centrist caucus and they fight with each other, what does that say? And the moderate Republicans for years when I was in D.C. always used to call themselves the Tuesday group, which meant. Wednesday on lunch, which sort of tells you everything you needed to know about moderate Republicans even back then. But the point is that there used to be a time in this country where you got rewarded for delivering and for working with the other side. And there was a sense of civility. I may not like your ideas, but I have to have, uh, I, I have to respect them. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we're both trying to get the same thing done. And I think those 44%, they want candidates who say they're going to work in the middle and get things accomplished. And, you know, it doesn't take a genius. I mean, you can take, look at the border. You can build a wall and you can figure out a solution for the dreamers. Mm -hmm. Why does that turn into such an absolute battleground? Now we're taking a long look at an independent presidential candidacy. I just looked at two focus groups and focus groups are where you talk to six or seven people in a room and just sort of run ideas past them and they interact with one another. And there's a guy named Rich Thau who does great focus groups with sort of swing voters. So he did a swing voter project in Pennsylvania. They did two panels of seven voters. And the first question was, how many of you would rather see somebody else run than Biden and Trump in the next election? First group of seven, everybody's hands up. Next group of seven, everybody's hands up. (laughs) Would you consider voting for an independent presidential candidate? All 14 of them raised their hand. Wow. That'll tell you what the mood of the country is. And so I know that the political pros will say, you got to go negative. You know, you've got to head in this direction or that direction. But I do think there's a middle lane. And I think the American public is really ready for it. The problem is, I don't think there's a face like there was when Ross Perot ran, Mm -hmm. who actually ended up getting 19% of the vote second most compared to Teddy Roosevelt. Um, But I do think that moment's coming just because people have had it. In Palm Springs, for example, we've got a newspaper editor who said, you know, how can we tone down this partisanship? And what she did is she said for a month, 
we're only going to run local editorials and local letters to the editors, none of the national stuff. And it turned out when they did it, because she had three political science professors monitor it and survey readers ahead of time, and they compared it to another local newspaper in California, partisanship went down mm -hmm. in Palm Springs, and in the other newspaper, it kept climbing. So lots of cool stories from around the country of people trying to change the climate and change the way the country's working right now. As we said, you're a multi-Emmy winner in the television industry for years, both in uh, in Washington and here in Wisconsin. I worked in radio before and then got into politics myself, and now I'm back in it. I'm a guy, a media guy who loves media. Talk to us a little bit about what you're finding with today, because there's kind of the the far right, the own and all that stuff on, on the far right. You've got Fox News, then you've kind of got the more traditional media, and I guess you could put maybe MSNBC in that kind of more left wing category. How are all these? categories affecting people because when I was growing up, I'm old enough to remember watching Walter Cronkite when he said that's the way it is you just said that's it you, you believed it not so anymore no it's fractured so badly and it's really driven by economics more than anything else I, I don't know where it all went to hell there's two points we'll point to in the podcast episode one is an old friend of mine from Seattle TV is the guy who started Crossfire which arguably changed the whole tone of TV news. There was always TV news and TV discussion shows, but they basically made it sports radio with people yeah. screaming at each other. And turn on Fox, turn on MSNBC, and you see the stepchildren of Crossfire today. So we'll talk to Randy Douthat in one of the episodes, who's an old friend who started Crossfire. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing happened, I'm not sure where it was in the country, but at one point, suddenly somebody bought a 1974 Oldsmobile from Craigslist. What's that got to do with anything? Because almost 40% of newspaper revenues came from classified advertising. For people under the age of 30, wow, welcome to the old days. You used to get a giant newspaper on Sundays, classifieds, that's where you bought autos, looked for jobs, bought puppies, you know, found a house to rent, a house to buy, whatever the case might be. That revenue all shot out the window. And if you want to look at what's happened to the newspaper business, it starts with classifieds. Then it went to the internet and subscriptions then went away. So both of those forces, right? What, what happened in CNN, which changed the tone and what happened with the newspapers, which changed the economics means the only way you can make money these days is you got to pick a side. Yeah. And so you look at MSNBC and you look at Fox and they live in parallel universes. You'd never know you're living in the same country in the same galaxy. You mentioned this podcast, Lost in the Middle, America's Political Orphans, uh, debuting coming this September, this fall on Civic Media and anywhere you get your podcasts. You talk about having some green shoots of hope. It's not all doom and gloom. There's a little bit of, of hope here. Give folks a, an idea of what you found that you take away. They're like, hey, maybe the world isn't going to hell to hand basket. Sure. So one thing I, I really like, um, and a lot of people don't, is I think it's great when people split tickets mm -hmm. because it says to me, you're thinking about who you want to win and you're voting for the re the best candidate. It's easy to walk in the room and pull one lever, another level. And political junkies will tell me I'm nuts because that's sort of an idealistic, <laughs> romantic thing and everything else in the world. But if you look in 2022, 2022 mm -hmm. lots of ticket splitting in a lot of states around the country, especially in governor and Senate races in Georgia, in Wisconsin, in New Hampshire and Vermont. And I think that's a very healthy sign for the uh, the political system. And you'll actually hear, for example, we'll let you eavesdrop on a group of Georgia voters in a different focus group talking about the Warnock uh, Herschel Walker race and how they worked their way through it. And a lot of them were committed to the Republican governor, Brian Kemp, but many of those swing voters 
voted for Raphael Warnock. So I, I do think ticket splitting's another indication that people, I think, are sort of coming out of this fog and starting to think for themselves.